Well, I guess we're going to wait for JP to join. <laughs> How, like, what did you do? There he goes. Sorry for the 30-second technical difficulties, but want to welcome you back to the official SEC Slow Smoked podcast. This is... Week two, I am your great host, Alex, a.k.a. Bullship One. You all know my sidekick, Holt, a.k.a. Holt Smash slash Frat Star. Holt, how you been? I've uh, been pretty good. I'm back in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Flowood, actually. It's a beautiful night here. Um, great to be back. And uh, sorry for, again for the technical difficulties. We're, uh, we're just still, honestly, still, we're, still we're pretty two. new at this. Like Still we're, trying to figure it out. We're too... Here's the big news. We're two, now three dumbasses trying to figure this out. Because I do also want to introduce you to our third co-host, JB Brooks, a.k.a. Jordan Brooks, Rocky Top JB, slash Tinder King of Memphis. But I can't say any more details. You can figure out why he may or may not be known as the Tinder King of Memphis. JB, what's up? I am good, Alex. I am just over here chilling. It's been a long day, but I'm ready to talk some football with you guys. Uh, hated I had to miss the inaugural episode, but I'm ready to go. And in case you haven't, if, in case you can't tell, um, JB's got his radio voice ready. We all did a 10, 20-minute pregame episode of this, and we all were not sounding like this. So we'll, um, we'll get better as we go along here. Um, first, let's recap from last week. Um, from what I remember, Holt Smash was going to update us on some Dreamland Alabama barbecue. Yep. Uh, actually went to Saul's, the place you were talking about, the white barbecue sauce, and also went to Dreamland, the famous Dreamland. Um, and I got to say, I think you guys are going to be a little bit disappointed in me, but I actually thought it was pretty good. I got uh, I got the ribs. Uh, they were grilled, which I'm usually not a fan of. Um, I usually prefer the slow smoked as the podcast would indicate. Hell yeah. Um, and also generally prefer the dry rub and these were these were wet wet ribs and grilled. So usually that's a big no no for me. But I gotta admit they were actually pretty good. I'd probably give them like a seven point five out of ten. Uh and uh really what capped it off though is the banana pudding for dessert. That was it's probably my favorite dessert and it was yeah. It was pretty outstanding. I'm not even gonna lie. We were actually it was a lot of us eating it, and uh, we were scraping the 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 bowl at the bottom. I'm kind of ashamed to say, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty good. And I know you guys are gonna be a little bit disappointed in me because maybe I'm not like a true Memphian anymore because I ate, like some grilled ribs from Alabama. But I, I thought I just thought they were pretty good. Hey, um, ain't no shame in being a fat ass when it comes to barbecue. We don't we don't we don't uh, fat shame here. Good eating in Alabama, I'm sure. Um, so you're talking about Dreamland being good. You also like Saul's, right? Um, did not like Saul's quite as much as Dreamland. Uh, it was pretty good. I, I did not get the ribs, though, so I'm not sure um, if maybe their ribs are, you know, what kind of quality they are or anything. I haven't really heard. Uh, all I kept hearing about was the white barbecue sauce, and I did get that on my – I got a smoked chicken sandwich, um, so I've been trying to eat just a little bit healthier. Um, yeah. But I got the smoked chicken sandwich with the with the white sauce on there, so I get a taste for it. And it was just, you know, I mean, it was good. It was just like really heavy. The sauce is just really heavy, and it's it's a little overpowering and overwhelming. 
And, uh, I mean, you know, it was good. I would, I would eat there again. Um, I would definitely recommend uh, you guys to try. I know, Alex, you've been there before. Um, yeah. But, uh, next- you know, it's oh. it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, you should definitely give it a shot. Uh, I would eat there again, but at the same time, it's not like one of, you know, it's, it didn't, like, jump into, like, my top 10 or 15 favorite barbecue places that I've been to. Right. I'll have to, I'll have to admit that I was a little nervous whenever you sent me the pic, and I posted on Instagram – and I used the hashtag white sauce. I was kind of nervous what might have come up, but it was it was okay. A lot of a lot of sauce barbecue fans out there knew exactly what I was talking about. We got I think we might have got like four or five, maybe six likes that day on Instagram. So oh wow! Big, big things are happening here at Slow Smoke. Um, also, <laughs> we have we now have the resources to bring in a whole new co-host, and that's uh, Jordan Brooks Brooks, aka JB Brooks. Um, all the way from Memphis, we are, we are collectively known as the Memphis Trio. Probably give Three Six Mafia a good run for them. We decide to <laughs> hang our wrapping up and just go with podcasting about slow smoked uh, food and football. So JB, let's do a little background introduction into you real quick, and let's not hold this up because people want to listen to us talk about how great Tennessee is in football. So let's talk about you jb so jb you've liked football for your whole life but from what i can remember you're rocky top you'll be now but you originally were an alabama fan correct that's what you would think uh i was not originally an alabama fan uh i was raised to be an alabama fan this happened in the mid 90s probably when i was about four or five years old i was raised to like alabama and to some extent Ole miss i have Ole miss on my uh, mother's side of my family Alabama on my dad's side of the family. Uh, I grew up watching Alabama, you know, and they were like, you know, the red team to me. And, and you know, they would win some games, lose some games. This is back uh, when they had Gene Stallings as their head coach. And, you know, they had some decent teams. But the team that always caught my eye was the Orange team. And the Orange team, obviously being Tennessee, they were always winning every game they played. And I'll, I remember asking my mother one day, uh, who's the Orange team? And my mother said, that's Tennessee. Like, well, I'm from Tennessee, so I should naturally root for the home state that I live in. And I latched on to them, and uh, this is back when Peyton Manning was their quarterback, too. And I've kind of been with them ever since. Like, uh, you can call it hopping on the bandwagon, but I was four years old, and I've been with them ever since. Like, I've never hopped off of it, even through shitty years when we had, uh, you know, Homer at the end of his tenure. Then we had Lane Kiffin for his one-year pit stop. Then we had Dooley for three years. Don't remind me of butch jones either it's been a little rough ride lately i was um i was gonna say uh, my oh my have the time to change you kind of jumped on the bandwagon when tennessee was beating alabama consistently and it's it's been a minute but hey you're still hanging in there through the through the dually and the butch jones time so exactly hats off, hats off to you and you i mean you're you are i mean you always got women's basketball to fall back on so you're good and also i mean i could say i've uh the men's basketball team to fall back on too. I mean, Rick kind of turned that program around. Year three, they made it to the Sweet 16, went into the NCAA tournament as a three seed. I mean, hey, that's progress. And sure. I think going into the season, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of outlets, media outlets, have Tennessee projected as a top five team in the preseason. So, yeah, I mean, that's something for me to be excited about. So, I mean, it was, as long as you know we're good in something, I'm happy. But preferably, it. If I had to pick one sport to be good in, it'd be football. But obviously, I'd rather be good in everything because there was one time in the mid two thousands when Tennessee was good in everything because yeah. they had Pearl and Pat Summit. I'm gonna um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to 
ask you more questions, but I will say that uh, Tennessee basketball is sounding like Tennessee football with those uh, preseason top top rankings, top five, top ten rankings, top twenty rankings. But that's okay; they're not the no, same sport, so right. different. Um, let's more more introduction into you, JB. Um, me and Holt answered both our favorite grilled or barbecue from where, and I know you would probably say Central because you're from Memphis, and we eat a, we ate a Central about like once a week at CBU. But what? is your favorite grilled food or barbecue that's not from Central? Well, let's start off with uh, pulled pork. All right, Jamie. Hold on, hold on, Jamie. This isn't a 30 <laughs> favorite food. Let's, let's keep it down 30 seconds. Okay? Like I mean, like come on, man. I can talk like 20, 30 minutes on barbecue alone. Like, I'm a barbecue <laughs> Jamie's taking the whole, over the whole show. All right. Uh, also, this is um, just, just FYI, y'all. This is – um, we we call him in our group sometimes, a lot of times, JB, what the fuck, because it's Project X, JB, what the fuck, and JB, our good friend on this podcast, sometimes, um, I wouldn't say he does it on purpose, but he does imitate him a little bit, so um, you might get to, that might come out in this podcast, but go ahead, JB. Well, first of all, I've never seen Project X, X except once, and I don't even remember the JB character, all I remember is the one scene in the locker room. When he had something, <laughs> you know, there you I don't go. anything else about that? But anyways, barbecue <laughs> aspect. Uh, pulled pork. It's got to be Germantown. Excellent. It's got a great smoky texture, uh, great juicy flavor too. Uh, especially the bark that surrounds it. But for ribs, uh, I would say barbecue shop. Barbecue shop glazed ribs. Out of the, the way they do it, it's uh it's kind of like a dry rub, but they also have a glaze below the dry rub that they put on there before they put in the smoke the last few hours. And it is absolutely outstanding. It's one of the most underrated places in Memphis too. Like most people think of central or rendezvous Corky's as your top places, but barbecue shop is really underrated and it's a favorite among the locals. Great job, JB. Great answer. Great answer. As always, um, I would agree with you. Central commissary and barbecue shop, probably my favorite in Memphis. Um, let's go with your favorite SEC moment. Favorite SEC moments got to be, and I can't believe I'm actually going to say it, but being a Tennessee fan, but it's got to be uh, Tebow's prompt that he made back in 2008. In 2008, uh, you know, obviously Tebow made that promise after they had been upset by Ole Miss by a missed extra point, ironically. And it pretty much, you know, at the point derailed their season and gave them a loss. But he made a promise to the media in the Troy Kane press conference that you will never see a team that will play as hard as they will the rest of the season or they'll never see a player like Tebow play as hard as they will the rest of the season. And then he just, you know, said, God bless, drop the mic. And then they go out the rest of the season, pretty much dominate the competition. Except the Alabama game and the SEC championship, they played an undefeated Bama team. And, you know, they uh, Bama gave him a hard-fought game, but that was saving second season. And Jebby, Jebby. Debbie, one moment at a time, JB. One moment at a time. Team your favorite moment. On and on, man. But yeah, we're gonna have to to touch down for a little championship game. You know, it was exciting. (laughs) Florida, you know, pretty much prevailed in the second half, and then in the Oklahoma game, they faced the same Bradford team and pretty much dominated most of that game too, and prevailed with a twenty-four fourteen victory. But yeah, that's got to be my favorite moment. Just it was inspiring, and people give Tebow a lot of flack, but I was inspired by it and still am today. <laughs> um, all I remember is Tebow crying. Um, I will remind you that I did send some notes out before this podcast, and I want you to know that JB sure as hell researched every single thing to remember that twenty four fourteen victory. Everything about it. he's he's on his A game today. Um, 
Actually, now we're going to go ahead and get into that shit. Uh, what you know your shit. Is that what you're saying? I just said I didn't research it. I just knew that shit. Like, I'm a walking encyclopedia. You know, I'm JV. Okay. That's just JB. Um, let me go ahead and hit you with the uh, official SEC Slow Smoked, unofficial SEC Slow Smoked theme song, and then we'll get into our SEC storylines. Pick up. Ready? Let's go. <laughs> That was our unofficial, not official because we don't want to be sued by CBS, but that is our unofficial theme song means we can actually start talking about some football. So last week, me and Holt talked about some of the coaching hires and storylines for 2018 season. We talked about Matt Luke at Ole Miss and um, who else did we talk about? We talked about Jimbo at Texas A&M. Now we want to get into the other coaching hires because there were quite a few coaching hires in, uh, in 2018 offseason, 2017, 2018 offseason. Uh, so we'll start with, and these go ahead, these go hand in hand. We'll talk about both of them at the same time. We'll talk about Dan Mullen first leaving Mississippi State and going to Florida, and then John, Joe Moorhead being hired at Mississippi State from Penn State. So we'll start, um, and I'll, I'll leave this with Holt because he is the Mississippi State frat star, so he has the he has the inside scoop at Mississippi State and Starkville. So I'll ask him first of all. Um, how did you initially feel about Mullen leaving state for Florida? Well, there have been some rumors, I guess. I mean, there have been rumors like every year that he was trying to get out. And, um, you know, you never know how much of it is true and, and or not. With um, Sexton, right? Do I? With with Jimmy Sexton leading the rumors. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Mullen's going to be at Penn State. Mullen's going to be at Tennessee. Mullen's going to be here. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like every year there was all these rumors, and then he would end up just getting a huge pay raise from Mississippi State. Not um, bad, though. Bad. No, that's – I mean, that's the way to go. I mean, it's a good agent right there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was – you know, I mean, I was a little bit upset about it, but at the same time, they had just lost the Egg Bowl to a really, really bad Ole Miss team. And so my I kind of – my feelings towards them were kind of really bad at the time. So I was almost okay with it, like, right when it happened. Um, but, you know, now that I've had some time to, like, calm down a little bit and think about it, you know, Mullen did a great job at Mississippi State, and he's a really good coach. Um, you know, obviously yeah. he's a great developer of quarterbacks and all that. So I think he's going to do really good at Florida. I don't know if he's quite a good enough recruiter to but- maybe beat out like Florida State and Georgia and Alabama and like some other teams he's gonna have to play. So uh But uh it'll be... Florida Florida does recruit itself, so I think you might be okay with there. I mean there are obviously Florida has a whole lot of competition with what you said, Florida State, Georgia and Alabama and whoever else wants to go into Florida pick yeah. up talent. I don't I don't have any doubt that he can build like a top fifteen, top ten program there. I'm just not sure he can build a top five program. I mean I yeah. I think he could maybe be in contention like once every two or three years or you know maybe every three or four years for a national championship but I don't yeah. think he's gonna you know I mean when if you look at what Kirby Smart looks like he's building at Georgia right now um it just I don't know if Mullen's gonna be able to recruit to that kind of a level I know Florida does recruit itself and he'll definitely recruit better at Florida than he did at Mississippi State but uh you know I just I have questions if he's gonna get that program to where they want to be I think uh, it's it's kind of a lot. I think it's going to be kind of similar to like Mark Rick at Georgia, where he's going to be like a consistent nine, ten, eleven win team, but maybe struggle to get over that last big hump that uh, that they need to get over. But it's still a good hire compared to where they were at. I mean, right now they just need some continuity. They've made you know two bad coaching hires in a row. 
and it's just been a while since they've been even like a decent team. This might be a little um, distasteful, as you like to put it, but you did say um, hopefully you can get Florida over the hump, and that naturally made me think of uh, Jim McElwain's uh, infatuation with Sharks, or maybe it wasn't his yeah. infatuation. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, not a, that's not something that uh, I would expect out of Mullen, but, I mean, you never know. I mean, maybe you never know, uh, Florida does have the best Sharks there. Yeah, well, luckily Gainesville is not near any ocean, I don't believe, so – Hopefully, he'll be okay. I mean, Gainesville's in Florida, Holt. I mean, it's only, like, what, 30 minutes from each coast or 30, 45 minutes from each coast? So. Yeah, see, JB, yeah. JB did research if you hadn't known, if you hadn't told, <laughs> been able to tell by now. He, he does know now that Gainesville is near Florida. I mean, it's but simple geography, man. It's just simple geography. I mean, did you go yeah. to school? Yeah, we went to the same school, JB. Don't don't forget who helps you out in your homework there. <laughs> this is college. Um, College. This is nothing right. with high school. This is whatever. that we can. JB, I don't know why you're being so mean to me. I didn't even like do anything. All I said was that Gainesville wasn't near an ocean, which it's not. Yeah, I mean, he talked about Tennessee. Yeah, drive the ocean 30, 45 minutes. So that's pretty much near an ocean. Uh, I don't know, JB. <laughs> Here, here's here's what I have to say about um, <laughs> Dan Mullen and him at Florida and him leaving Mississippi State. And I think me and JB agree more on this than um, state fans would. But I think Dan Mullen was at state for like nine years, and he took him to either eight straight bowl games or something crazy like that. And before him, and then I know you've heard this before, Holt, but before him there was nobody as successful or as consistent at as him at Mississippi State. So taking them to eight straight bowl games or whatever it was, and you know getting to number one in the in the nation at one point or number two, whatever it was with Ole Miss that year. Um, I think it was a great feat at Mississippi State. And I just didn't think that Mississippi State fans knew what they had when they had him. And you're saying now, oh, yeah, that, like, take a step back. And, like, you know, he actually did some good things. He did he did some bad things, in fairness. He did lose to South Alabama that opening game and wasn't really great that – well, wasn't great that game, I guess. I think he turned around a little bit that year. But um, I just think – I just think that Dan Mullen was good at Mississippi State, and I think he'll be a good coach at Florida. I think Florida obviously would rather have Chip Kelly, which drives me crazy when I think about um, Strickland getting on the podium and saying Dan Mullen was our first choice. Everybody knows that Chip Kelly was their first choice. Everybody knows. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's it's whatever. And that's, that's a whole other issue is that the whole Dan Mullen – Scott Strickland um, drama. Now he's coaching, coaching athletic director again. But I'll ask JB real quick. What do you think about Mullen at Mississippi State and how he do it for them? Well, if I can elaborate on it uh, real quick. And, like JB, oh, I, would, um, I would like to say to keep it under two hours for your elaboration. Okay. Well, you know, we'll make this uh, less than two minutes. How about that? Is that a deal? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, long story short, Dan Mullen at Florida is going to be a lot like Mark Rick at Georgia. He's going to have a lot of consistent nine, ten win caliber seasons. He's going to have a few down years where they might go seven or eight, have seven or eight wins. And at Florida, that's not really going to suffice. And another thing about Mullen is, is that his recruiting is not up to the standards of other coaches. He just never has really liked recruiting. And I know in Florida it's going to be easier for him, but you still got to go out and mingle with parents and kiss ass in order to get recruits. And I think at Florida he's going to get like top 15, 20 classes, but at Florida that's not – good enough like at Florida you're supposed to get top 10 classes every year and even guys like Knucklewine struggled to get you know great classes there but I mean it's Florida you have you have such a great talent pool in that state 
So I don't think they're ever going to get the talent that they ever had with Urban Meyer or Spurrier, but they're still going to be good enough in the SEC to win consistently around nine to ten. Which you know I don't think it's going to actually be good enough in the long run, and I think eventually, you know, maybe by year five, Florida fans might start getting restless. Well, I think if I can just jump in like real quick, I think I do think he's going to elevate the floor of the program like tremendously like i mean right now I and mean, last year what they got like five and seven i mean yeah or four and eight like like he's definitely gonna raise the floor like when like if like what you're saying like five six years from now they decide it's not enough and get rid of them they're gonna be in a much better position than they are like right now absolutely i'm not saying that mullen is gonna fail at florida i'm just saying that florida fans have really really high expectations and their expectations are to compete for a national championship every season i don't think mullen's gonna be the guy that's gonna help them do that but I do think he's going to leave a great situation for the next coach in the case, in the event that he does. But also this season, I do think Florida is a dark horse in the East. Like everyone's talking about Georgia and then the dark horse being South Carolina. Florida has a really great cupboard there. And Mullen is going to come in there and I think he's going to win immediately. I mean, I think they can win nine games this season and be a contender. Luckily for Mullen, whenever that time comes, when they realize, okay, he's not winning a national championship every five years for us. I mean, he has the best agent in the world, so he'll still get paid more every year, and his name will be floated out for different coaching jobs. So I think I think he'll be covered there. And of course, their buyout is probably like twenty million or something crazy like that. Um, one thing that surprised me, and I, I want to talk about this, we're not going to talk about Florida forever, but if you think about Dan Mullen, his his decision that he made. Uh, to go to Florida, it's actually kind of a hard decision because um, if you think about Florida 10 years ago versus Mississippi State 10 years ago, it's an easy decision. Florida, go to Florida. Florida's a lot better, has a lot more talent, has a lot more resources than Mississippi State. But he built up Mississippi State to a certain point where – and Florida also went the opposite direction, went downhill so fast that if you think about it this year, if Mullen had stayed at – Mississippi State this year, they had a lot returning this year, and that's that's what sets up Joe Moorhead for success this year. They had a lot returning. They had Fitzgerald coming back, had a pretty good defense coming back, um, and Florida doesn't have the continuity that um, Mississippi State does. So, um, they, I mean, he he did risk a little bit by leaving Mississippi State, a talented Mississippi State team, um, something he knows well for Florida, unknown like that. Yeah, I agree with and I can I have to say like I was absolutely surprised that Mullen did leave this uh, Starkville after this past season. I thought he was going to leave if he was gonna, ever going to leave Starkville. I thought it was going to be after the 2015 season after Dak Prescott had graduated because that going into the next season, everyone knew it was going to be a rebuilding year. And of course, they went five and seven that season. If there was ever six and seven or six and seven, yes, five... <laughs> get it right, JV. Come on, thanks. Sounds like a Tennessee Turn... fan. Dude, you're trying to screw us out of our bowl win against uh, Miami of Ohio on a block field goal, man. Come and on. I was yeah, there. That was an incredible Jeffy. victory. I was inspired. I wish I could just forget that that game ever happened, honestly. But you think about it this way. Like, if Mullen had stayed at State this year, they would probably be in the contention to be a top 10 team in the preseason. Like, he left a really talented team. This is going to be his most talented team since the 2014 team coming into this season. Not to that, say that. Uh, can't have success, but they would have had some continuity if, if uh, Mullen had stayed. That team last year should have beat Alabama. They they had Alabama beat, and what was the Calvin Ridley catch and run for like forty yards to like bowl line or whatever. But let's let's be fair here. Uh, Mullen was coaching extra conservative in that game. He just wanted to keep that game low scoring and close and keep the ball out of Alabama's hands. It wasn't really a very uh, aggressive uh, game called no. by Mullen, but. 
Now, Mullen went for the JB NCAA 14 strategy where he's just going to run <laughs> four yards every play and then put two clock on and try to get, like, that one extra possession, like, at the, like score, like, right at the end of halftime so he gets, like, one extra possession than you. Exactly. Or you, you go into halftime up, you know, by a field goal or a touchdown, you're in control for the rest of the game. RIP, IP, NCAA football. RIP, IP. Um, but let's let's talk about him. We'll, we'll, we'll switch over to Joe Moorhead shortly here. But um, what I'm most excited about Dan Mullen at Florida is is seeing how he can possibly develop Felipe Franks because um, Felipe Franks came in as a super super highly recruited, highly talented, highly skilled um, player into Florida, and he's got a great no homo typical NFL body, six five quarterback with a big arm. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me, I like my quarterbacks big, <laughs> but um, he, he is a huge quarterback, and by huge I mean tall. <laughs> and um, he's got a lot of a lot of potential, and I just think McElwain, for whatever reason, even though he's the offensive coordinator coming in, couldn't develop him. I think that's something Mullen brings to the table, developing Franks possibly. Do you think that Franks is going to fit his system, though? I mean, he seems like more of a pocket passer to me. I mean, I know he yeah. had a couple of big runs last year, but um, I just kind of feel like he's more of a pocket passer. He sort of reminds me of Tyler Russell. They brought That's in awesome. a uh, they brought they brought in a um, a pretty highly recruited quarterback from Georgia. I think uh, I can't remember his name, uh, but uh, anyway, I think he's probably the quarterback of the future. I think Franks will probably play a little bit this year, but I think ultimately that the freshman is going to end up being the guy. And, um, you know, I mean, if you look at Damon's track record, track record of quarterbacks, it's pretty outstanding. Not even just quarterbacks that he's had, but quarterbacks that he's gone out and recruited, like, really hard that have ended up going somewhere else. Like, you know, like Cam Newton and uh, Josh Dobbs and Lamar Jackson, guys that not everybody was recruiting really hard either. You know what I mean? It seems, like, obvious now. But Mullen was going after those guys when they were in high school. So he knows – what a good quarterback looks like in high school. And he knows how to develop them and turn them into like a big time uh, quarterback. And obviously that's the most important position on the field. And that may be able to make up for some of his, you know, what he lacks in the recruiting trail. We'll, um, <laughs> we'll go from one damn Yankee coaching at in Starkville to another in Joe Moorhead coming down from Penn state. And what I like best about Mississippi state, um, their new AD Cohen, what I like best about him, I've talked to you about this whole before, is that he doesn't play around when it comes to coaching hires. You know, you have in the offseason, you have Tennessee, no offense to JB, and all of all nation listen to us, which is maybe probably. Um, I, you have Tennessee who goes, what, like a month or two months with an open coaching position, has the whole media involved, and who's saying no, and who's getting raises out of this. And then you have Mississippi State who – the job was open for like a week maybe and filled. It was less than that. It was like 48 hours. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And I don't know. I mean, maybe they could have gotten somebody better, somebody that was more well-known than Joe Moorhead. But, I mean, when you first hear Joe Moorhead, you're, I mean, to me, coming from the South, I'm like, who the hell is Joe Moorhead? Like, why don't they try to get somebody bigger or better? But, I mean, then you look him up. Why didn't they just hire another Saban assistant? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So Saban could beat him, and then he could get fired eventually. But yeah, um, Joe Moorhead. I mean, he was offensive coordinator at Penn State, and I don't know the exact stats, but I saw something like they averaged like thirty-seven points a year last year, and they're the. I guess he's the big reason. Or that's what people are saying that he's the big reason why 
Penn State's offense has been so cra- crazy or so good the last few years. So, um, Hull, how do you feel about Moorhead now that you've had some time to realize to like understand what he's what he's all about and does he fit in well? Do you think he'll do well at Mississippi State? Well, yeah, and um, you know there was a direct correlation between when Penn State's offense turned around and when Jordan Moorhead got there. I mean, it was basically that season. They went from having one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten to having the best offense in the Big Ten and winning the Big Ten in his first year as offensive coordinator. And, I mean, obviously they had some really good players. They had some good receivers, obviously. Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like when he first hired, I was kind of excited just because I knew how aggressive he was as a play caller. And, um, you know, my uh, stepdad is actually a Penn State graduate. So he, uh, you know – I've always kind of followed Penn state as like, you know, a team that I'll watch occasionally just because I know, you know, I have that connection. Um, so it was, I was pretty excited about it. The main thing I was worried about is, you know, he's kind of like a, he looks like an older guy. He's really only like 44, but he looks like he's about 64. And, uh, you know, obviously he's from the North and he was like an FCS coach for, for a good while. And so my first question is like recruiting, like how is this dude going to recruit? Like, he has no ties to the South. He's, you know, this this old, like, northern white dude. How's he going to go, like, recruit, you know, in the in Mississippi? And, you know, is he going to get along with, like, people's parents and high school coaches and all that? And so far, it's on the recruiting trail. It's, it's been really well. Um, he's definitely been helped up by the fact that there's a lot of good players in Mississippi this year. And then uh, he's gone out and gotten a couple four-stars from out of state, one from a defenseman from Nashville and a quarterback from Charlotte a couple of four-star guys. So it's been pretty impressive. And then um, I think he's fit in pretty well. The fans are really um, taking it to him. He's got, he's got like a, or taken to him. Um, he's got a lot of confidence, but not arrogance, if that makes any sense. He's just, he's a very confident guy, but not in an arrogant way. And he's kind of like a blue collar type personality with like a, you know, gunslinger offense. You know what I mean? So it's, I think a lot of people are really excited about it. Um, you know, and I am too. I'm really anxious to see what happens. They have a really good team this year, and I think we're going to find out really quick what kind of a coach he is because, you know, just like we were saying, Mississippi State's got a loaded roster this year. They return a top-10 defense. They basically return everybody. And then they have Nick Fitzgerald's back. Their leading rusher's back. Their whole offensive line is back except for their left tackle. So, I mean, I think uh, it'll be really interesting to see, and I'm I'm really excited about it to see uh, – what this offense is going to look like. You um, you mentioned recruiting and how he's doing well. Part of it because um, the state of Mississippi in general is really loaded this year, and you can see that in Ole Miss recruiting well, also. Um, but you, I mean, you have to you have to think like Joe Moorhead's not the one out there going house to house, is he? Or I mean, you you would think that there's some some assistant he's he's talking to or he has. Yeah, well, he he brought in. Uh... The first hire he made actually was the running backs coach Charles Huff, who uh, I don't know how many people keep up with this, but like two four seven uh, ranks the top recruiter recruiting assistants in the country, and he was like top like three or four um, last year, and that was the first Where's hire he, he made. And uh, he's uh, I think he's from Maryland originally, but he coached with Franklin at Vanderbilt, okay. Okay. and um, so he he does have some SEC ties. And so he's the guy who's come in and like just really like hit the ground running and kind of been like sort of the big game hunter. And then uh, obviously Mark Mark Hudspeth as well, former head coach at Louisiana Lafayette, came in to be the tight ends coach. 
and uh, he's really been doing a good job as well. Um, yeah, I don't know how – just like you said, I don't, you never know how much of it is actually like the head coach. But at the same time, uh, the commitment that they've made to recruiting from everything that I've heard like around the program is that he's he, he's a lot closer to – he really learned from uh, James Franklin on like how to recruit on a daily basis and like what kind of commitment – uh, you're supposed to make to it like every day versus, I mean, I want Badge Mullen. Mullen did a great job. He's probably the best coach Mississippi State's ever had, um, as sad as that is. Uh, but uh, he definitely maybe didn't have the same effort in recruiting or the same commitment to it. So, uh, you know, the people are definitely taken into that. And uh, it looks like it's going pretty well. But, you know, we'll see if he can keep that up for like multiple years. Yeah, I think I think Mississippi State right now is – the like according to Vegas, they are the fourth favorites to win the SEC behind Georgia, Alabama, and maybe A and M. I don't know who got the or Auburn. Auburn, yeah, that's right, that's right, Auburn. Um, JB, I'll ask you about um, Chad Morris before. I'm gonna ask you, and this, I want you to do your best here. This is just gonna be a one-word yes/no answer. Will Joe Morton at Mississippi State compete for SEC West and beat Nick Saban, Alabama? Yes, I do. You, hell yeah, oh, JB. We we haven't converted. <laughs> might be the, um, the Alabama, Alabama hating. JB, I'm buying you a cowbell. Yeah. Uh, I need more cowbell now. Just JB needs that. more cowbell. Okay, oh, well. I had to I had to like think about it for a second. I was like, did did JB just have a JB what the fuck moment? Like not realize what we just said. <laughs> Jay, what are you doing <laughs> there for a second? Because I just wanted to, you know, have a little bit of dramaticness, you know, to that. But yes, I actually do think that Moorhead will beat Saban sometime in the next five years. I honestly well, do believe. In fairness, um, Saban has to come down eventually, right? Or is he going to be coaching in his wheelchair to like he's he's eighty five years old and recruiting five stars, paying them good money, and all that stuff? Well, let's face it. I mean, not to try to get off subject too much, but Saban's pushing seventy. I mean, the guy is not going to have the same energy and passion as he gets into his 70s. I mean, you saw that with uh, Bobby Bowden. You saw it with Joe Paterno. Eventually, yeah. it comes more of the assistants taking over. And Saban's not going to be able to keep his high level for forever. Like, to me, he's on a year-to-year basis now. I know a lot of people at Alabama and a lot of fans may not want to admit it. But he's at that age now. It's a year-to-year basis. And I can't. Never- I can't wait till Lane Kiffin takes over Alabama. That probably be my favorite. I, yeah. I really wish he would take over LSU or somewhere <laughs> else and go head to head with Saban. That probably be my favorite. Um, Clay Travis always tells the story of um, whenever Lane Kiffin was coaching at Tennessee, and it was after the the Terrence Cody block field goal, the twelve ten game, and he shook, I think, uh, Saban's hand at half and said, "Like that's the that's the last time you'll ever beat me or something like that," right? Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess you could say so. <laughs> okay, thanks, JB, for your place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's let's. I, I haven't I haven't heard that story, so I can't really say one way okay. or the other. I, I'm not I'm not on uh, Clay Travis's ball sack as much as JB, but I'm I'm on like one nut, not both nuts like JB is. But I mean, he he does mention that a lot. Um, it's it's, like it's a good. Fine. I mean, what? there's nothing the dude saying what's up. Like, I, I appreciate him for that. That's what we like to hear. We don't want to hear any bullshit sugarcoating that you hear on some of the major networks. I won't name them, but you know what networks those are. Yeah. Let's – um, not – Does it rhyme with SPN? <laughs> not, uh, not good old SEC slow smoke. <laughs> 
we are just killing the game. So we wanna we wanna get into now Chad Morris in Arkansas and before we even get into Chad Morris in Arkansas and um I just wanna go back to back here. We went from Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State to Chad Morris at Arkansas and we did do his little uh, Twitter research uh this week with uh the loudest SEC fans or stadiums and right now we wanna like personally thank all of Mississippi State and Arkansas Twitter um for retweeting us so much we we were we were all texting each other and uh, i'm assuming we're all at work and we're like holy shit aj brown just retweeted us now that's he's i know he's old miss but like we we're like dang we really made it and then an alderman um retweeted us from mississippi state and then i mean even like one of our old high school friends retweeted us so i think we're doing big things here i want to thank all the mississippi state fans and all the arkansas fans on twitter for making us big so with that let's go into chad morris um preview um we don't like Chad Morris, Arkansas, I think, is the consensus here at Slow Smokes. Um, for different reasons, though. Um, I, I, y'all don't like him. I kind of think I'm a little bit more optimistic in Chad Morris, the, the coach. But, I mean, the only thing I wouldn't be optimistic is he's coaching the SEC West. But um, I watched him at SMU as a Memphis fan, and he, um, he has pretty good offenses. I just think um, Arkansas could have maybe done a little bit better coaching, um, picking up a coach besides Chad Morris. So obviously, I think they could have picked up. Norvell, but whatever. I mean, I'm glad Norvell from Memphis. But let's start with um, JB. Why do you think Chad Morris is not going to be good at Arkansas? Well, let's not disparage the fact. I think Chad Morris is a great X's and O's guy. Like, his system at Clemson was unique. Offense. That's what I said, his system. Offense. Yes, his offense was unique. I mean, I I loved watching his offense while at Clemson. But he was also just the offensive coordinator. I mean, being the head coach is a lot different than being the offensive coordinator. You got to you're pretty much you, you know, the overseer, the caretaker of the program. And one of the things I noticed with Chad Morris is uh, back on his first day, I mean, uh, the University of Arkansas released a video clip of Chad Morris introducing himself to the team in an auditorium setting. And when I watched that entire nine-minute clip, I didn't really leave out of that clip inspired, like, is this the guy that's really going to be the one that's going to lead Arkansas back to how they were during the nut years or during the I'm sorry, did you just say during the nut years? Yeah, back during the nut years. I mean, let's not be a too immature here. They had a coach named Houston Nut. They even had a t-shirt. <laughs> they had a t-shirt slogan back before the uh, – actually, no, that was a different school. But uh, let's not get off topic here. Coach Nut on them. Go ahead, go ahead, Debbie, say it. Say it, Coach Nut on them. <laughs> Well, back <laughs> Debbie, go ahead. <laughs> you can't talk until you say it. Go ahead. Say it. All right. So, so I mean, Holt, Holt will like this, but back in 2008, Ole Miss had Houston as their head coach, and one of their slogans on one of their T-shirts that they released back in the beginning of the 2008 season was "Bust a nut this season." I uh, I personally remember that because uh, Ole Miss played Memphis at the Liberty Bowl, and I remember everybody. Holding around or carrying around the, the, the nut rags. That's what they call yeah. them. I mean, when I think busting nut, like, I mean, it's just kind of like we're going to explode on everybody, you know. <laughs> that is. <laughs> hashtag white that sauce. Is hashtag JBWTF. Hashtag Tender King of Memphis. <laughs> hashtag white hashtag sauce. Hashtag white sauce. Get you some. At Sauce, at Sauce, not a sponsor officially yet, but after they listen to this, I'm sure they will be calling Slow Smoke headquarters tomorrow morning. All right, so JB doesn't like him because 
the personality, the culture fit in Arkansas. Yeah. He's, from, he's from East Texas, so I think he's just the first two favorites. Well, the point for me is like to try to just cut it short. I just wasn't inspired by his nine minute speech. I, the, what I worry about with him is if you're a player and you just listen to that, are you going to be motivated to go out and run <laughs> through a brick wall for this guy? Like, I don't know if I'm going to brick be- by brick. No, no, no. We're slogans. <laughs> let's not go into that horse shit, but let's, let's just stick with Chad Morris here. Uh, I don't know if these, I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not a player on the team. I'm not in the locker room, but I just wasn't inspired. Not to say I don't think Chad Morris can succeed at Arkansas. I'm just going by that one clip. Yeah. You um, think he's a great offensive mind, and but, <laughs> potential. But I'll let hold. I'll let elaborate more. I would. I would add to that real quick, JB. That um, yeah, you could be uninspired, but man, um, I sure did love me some Bielema, even though he couldn't win games. I sure did love his personality. I'm sure their their players loved him as a as a coach and as a person. So it's kind of hard to switch over from a great love personality. Not that Chad Morris is is super awkward or <laughs> as some of the Tennessee coaches, but um, he, I guess, it's probably harder to love as much as Bielema. Um, like, that was my favorite coach in the conference the, every yeah. year he was at Arkansas. Like I loved watching Bielema. Like I was, I was really up, kind of. Honestly, depressed <clears throat> when he uh, got fired from Arkansas because he became a staple in the conference. Like he was my favorite coach to watch during media days too. Like he was just yeah. super down to earth, and he was he was my he would have been the coach I would wanted to play for if I was a player being recruited. Don't you, don't you forget about that hot wife of his? He's got that hot wife now. That is true. or not? <laughs> or not, JB? Whooping. All right. So, Holt, what do you think about Chad Morris besides the un- uninspired? video whatever you'll call it yeah you know honestly i haven't even seen that video um but i am a little bit against the chad Morris hire uh for different reasons and i hate that we're doing this because we've gotten like so much support from arkansas fans and i just want to get on here and tell them that like they're going to be we, awesome and they made like the best we, hire we just ever. Hug you, dog. You're, and, you're our favorite yeah like dude we we love you guys like i promise like i used to live in arkansas for like a hot second and uh the barbecue there was really good i thought let's do um, let's Shout out to uh, shout out to Whole Hog in Little let's, Rock. Let's go and give a shout out to the real, real club, the Electric Cowboy in Little Rock, in the world. Oh, absolutely, best Electric Cowboy ever. Yeah. Uh, w- you know, w- w- Willie Willie D's and Ernie Biggs downtown. Uh, or some or some hot and hit up piano bar, the the piano bar downstairs, and then the the club upstairs. So you could you could. Like hit on some mills downstairs and go upstairs and find like some college girls. It was just JB, great. You, or a little rock. JB, did you just say Walmart? No, no. I said you said <laughs> the Waffle House over there. I said Walmart. Oh. Yeah. Well, are we gonna talk about Chad? Yeah. Moore go ahead. Dog, go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Arkansas fans. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan, uh, huge fan of the hire either. Um. You know, he's supposed to have, like, a lot of Texas recruiting ties because he was a high school football coach in Texas for a long time. But none of, like, when he was at Clemson or SMU, did it ever really seem like he was recruiting better than just any other random college coach. You know what I mean? He's not – he hasn't shown that he can use those ties to get big-time players. Um, And uh, one – I mean, the main reason why I don't think it's going to work out, like, especially early on, is just that the players – that Bielema brought in fit a completely different system than what Chad Morris is trying to do. 
So it's real. I think it's really going to take them like a year or two to even get rolling. And I mean, I don't know if they're going to, if they're even going to be able to get off the ground before uh, the fans kind of get tired of yeah. them. You know what I mean? I don't know if he's really even going to have it. Cause I think it's going to take him at least three or four years to like really get that program where he wants it to be. And I just don't know if Arkansas fans are willing to wait that long, but I mean, I hope for their sake, that he does come in and do a really good job. Um, I do think he had, like, a really fun offense at Clemson. Um, but at the same time, when he left, they didn't really seem to miss a beat. And SMU wasn't exactly hell on wheels, you know what I mean? Right. So you put those two things together, and it's it's starting to look like maybe Clemson had the thing rolling and not – Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great point, Holt. Uh, I absolutely agree, and I kind of think the same thing too, uh, or I believe the same thing. Um, the system, the players that, that Morris is inheriting, not good fits for his system. Like, he needs more athletes. He's not going to have athletes for his system. I mean, it's kind of like when Bielema took over for Petrino. He didn't have the kind of guys to run his smash mouth type football. It took him a few years to get it going. But then once he did get it going, it was just mediocre. Yeah. But for Morris, it's going to take him a few years just to get the kind of guys he wants in. And last but not least, we have good old Rocky Top hiring Jeremy Pruitt from Alabama, from Georgia, or from, yeah, Alabama, from Georgia, and from Florida State defensive coordinator. If you look at Jeremy Pruitt's history, he's a defensive guy, which, I mean, Tennessee did try to hire every single person in the world. No offense. Um, It was very publicized. At one point, what's that? They even tried to hire me, too. I submitted my resume. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, could you imagine that? JB leading the leading the team through the T. Hey, um, I mean, like I had about six national championships in nine years. Provide, uh, yeah. Um, nevertheless, um, <laughs> I can see <laughs> JB. If I'm picturing you being that coach, I can see you leading the um, leading the halftime, or like when you're getting mad at him. I can see you pulling the whole Rex Ryan thing and at, on the NFL Hard Knocks when you're saying, "All right, let's go get a goddamn snack." Yeah, except my snack would be uh, going straight to the Whataburger. Yeah. All right, let's, let's talk about Pruitt for a second. So, Pruitt's a defensive guy. They hired everybody. They they hired for, for maybe three or four hours Greg Schiano, and then ball Twitter shut that down. It the most amazing thing I've ever seen in college coaching um, for them to completely shut down and hire the fans to shut down and hire, um, mostly because he wasn't a great culture fish from Northeast, I guess, or North and he didn't have uh, Southern ties. And then you got um, – I forgot the AD's name now, um, but you got him fired, and then you got Phil Fulmer coming back in like he's like he's good old Dr. Phil, and everybody's going to love and trust him, and he hires Jeremy Pruitt because he says defense wins championships in SEC. J.B. Brooks, what do you think about Jeremy Pruitt besides his not great personality? Well, to start off with the positives, Pruitt is a defensive mastermind, and I don't think he'll ever have a bad defense at Tennessee. Maybe this season he will, but even with the players he has now, he can still field uh, average. And defense will never be the problem with for him. My biggest problem is going to be the offense. I mean, I know he brought in Tyson Helton to run, his, to run the offense for him, but I'm, I kind of just think about Muschamp at Florida. He always had a terrible offense and a great defense. You can win a lot of ugly games with a bad offense and a great defense. 
Let me let me stop you real quick and counter that with Kirby Smart at Georgia because it's a great defensive guy, same assistant from Alabama. Yes, comes to Georgia, but has a great but let me ask you, who did Kirby Smart hire as his offensive coordinator? Um, you tell me because I don't know. Jim Cheney. Yeah, Jim Cheney. Jim Cheney had a great history. Like he going back, he was the offensive coordinator at Purdue and Drew Brees was there. He was also the offensive coordinator at Tennessee when Dooley was there in 2012. He had the number one. Uh, total offense in the SEC and the number one scoring offense in the SEC, but it was also backed by the worst defense the SEC has ever seen. But who who, who is Tennessee's offensive coordinator? Tennessee's offensive coordinator is Tyson Helton. That is the uh, brother uh, Clay Helton. Right, right. This is so weird because they at one point one of the people were talking about like let's hire T Martin from USC, and they end up not. I mean, T Martin's not going to leave USC to be the offensive coordinator at Tennessee, but he didn't get the Tennessee job, and I think there was a lot of interest there. Um, and they end up hiring offensive coordinator or co-offensive coordinator or offensive guy, QB coach from USC, right? That is correct, yeah. They ended up bringing Tyson Helton in. Steve Martin did not want to want any kind of job at the University of Tennessee unless it was the head coaching position. He was not going to take an offensive coordinator position at the University of Tennessee. And why would he? Why would he? I, it's going to be. It's going to look bad, though. I mean, I, I hope he, T. Martin does well in life, but it is going to look bad if T. Martin ends up, which he's he's probably one of the hottest – young coach, coaching candidates going to be the highest coaching candidate for next year. That's going to be kind of bad if he takes off and becomes a coach somewhere and ends up killing it. I mean, I guess he could always come back to Tennessee because it's where he went to school, but it's not going to look great on Tennessee's part if Jeremy Pruitt is struggling with 7-5, 8-4. Yeah, but I will say this about Jeremy Pruitt. I'm, that, you know, the one positive I said was about the defense. Another positive about him is that he's an ace recruiter. I mean, you looked at back when his body of work at uh, Florida State and Georgia and Alabama, he was the number one recruiter on that staff for pretty much all the schools. And he brought 20... in – Go ahead. Oh, I kind of forgot where I was there. But okay. he brought in some – he brought in uh, great classes there. And right now he's bringing – he's got a more like 14th best class currently. And he's probably going to be having his team hovering around the top ten after this after the cycle ends. I mean, it's just it's always hard. He's always going to bring in great talent. And another thing about that is that I think he's a great talent evaluator and developer, too. That was something that Butch Jones lacked. He was a great recruiter, but he could never develop his talent. In the, in his Butch Jones career. was not a great communicator, too. So No, he was not a great communicator. He was not really good at communicating with the fans, the media, his players. A lot of his players had a great disdain for him. That was what can you – He really slacked. After the 2015 season, starting in the 26 in the last two years, like the chemistry just completely completely was shot. What can you tell me about Pruitt's personality? I mean, is it is he really that unlikable? I mean, I don't know anything about him. I don't know. I'm not on Ball Nation every day like you are, so I don't have the inside scoop. But to me, he looks like an a hole, like not a non-player's coach on the media. Like whenever he's being interviewed on media, I'm sure we'll see on SEC media days. It doesn't look like he's. Mr. Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Fun. He's not like smooth, like I guess Dabo Sweeney or whatever you want to call it. Um, Dan Mullen, Kirby Smart. He's not. He doesn't seem like that to me. So, what what do you think about his personality? Yeah, Pruitt is kind of a uh, no nonsense, no bullshit type personality. Hard ass. Hard he, ass he, is the word. The hard. He's a hard ass, old school type coach. Uh, there's a story about back when he was the uh, defensive coordinator at Georgia. He showed up on Mark Rick's doorstep, drunk. <laughs> And wanted to talk football. Mark Richt was just telling him to go away. And then Jeremy Pruitt wanted to fight him. 
<laughs> like this is just Jeremy Pruitt drunk. Like, because Jeremy Pruitt lives and breathes football, but apparently that story is that he took it a little bit too far, and <laughs> was you know like drunk on Mark Rick's doorstep, and that's why he was only at Georgia for one season before he ended up going to Alabama to be there off as be their defensive coordinator for the two seasons he was there. Good ball nation rumors, which could be true. Uh, that'd be great if it was true. That's a good story. Oh, these were rumors. Um, these were actually rumors from back when he was at Georgia. This is before it was ever on Ball Nation. Okay, this is okay, I gotcha. I've known a little bit. I mean, you believe what you want, but I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't put it past him. But I just know that Pruitt is a very intense guy, and he's gonna want the best out of his players. I mean, if you want to make a comparison, he might be like a Buddy Stevens, but a little bit more in control. Okay, okay, okay. Um, hold, on, I'll keep it. You have to keep it short because we're going to talk just a few minutes about SEC Media Days upcoming next week. But what do you think about Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee? Um, I think it's a pretty solid hire. That's actually the first guy uh, I thought of when State Shop came up. Oh, really? Um, just because, uh, yeah, I wanted a guy who was like uh, a big time recruiter. Like, I wanted a guy who was like just balls to the wall when it comes to recruiting, just big time, like, uh, you know, just just a elite recruiter and someone who could be really good on one side of the ball or the other. I didn't care if it was offense or defense. I just wanted someone who could recruit at a really high level and be really good on one side of the ball. And I think that's what he's going to do at Tennessee. I think he's going to be a big-time recruiter, and I think they're going to have a great defense. And I do believe he's going to be a little bit closer to Kirby Smart than Will Muschamp as far as the former saving assistants go. Um I actually think he's going to do a pretty good job there. Um, as much as I hate to say it, because I do kind of pull against Tennessee a little bit more I than mean, I should. Nobody wants I to see the return. Nobody does. I mean, I know Holt doesn't want to see the return. Alex doesn't want to see the return because Tennessee fans will be absolutely obnoxious. I mean, they already are obnoxious. I know they yeah, are. Yeah. Well, I am. I, I will say I am for SEC balance. I'm tired of the West just having four or five teams in the top 25 during the season, then beat up on each other in the East only have one or two good teams. I mean, we're maybe starting to see a, a shift back to the East, like the old times when the old times used to be like, what, 15 years ago when Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee were just top 10, top 15 teams and beat yeah, up that, on each other and the West was Yeah, winning. that was back when the East was dominating and the West was just mediocre. And of course, now the table yeah. the East is mediocre and the West is strong. But I do think that uh, the tide is turning in the East. I do think Florida is on the way back with Mullen, like, like we were discussing earlier. Uh, Georgia is going to be an elite program. Tennessee, the potential has always been there. I think Pruitt is going to bring in the talent. Uh, remains to be seen if it's going to be, you know, successful in the long run. But I do think the potential is there. South Carolina is going to be a pretty consistent seven-eight win type program. Yeah, Jamie, make sure there's uh, no no background noise in your room or your your studio headquarters there. <laughs> Um, as far as I know, I'm all good here. Okay. All right. We're, we're about to wrap things up. We want to start uh, – we want to finish up with uh, leading into SEC Media Days for next week. Um, we'll, we will have an official – we haven't figured it out yet, but we'll have official SEC Media Days drink um, game, and we'll hopefully not get you fired from work for drinking because Nick Saban said process ten times. Um, so we'll try our best to keep that down. Um, I want to ask – both of y'all. So when I think of SEC Media Days, I think of the good good people you can listen to, like Spurrier, Bielema. Um, <laughs> for for whatever reason, I did like listen to Dooley and Bush Jones just because they were <laughs> funny, entertaining to listen to what what they were actually going to say. They never knew like what kind of coach speak they were going to say. But 
um, it was always good. So SEC Media Day is 2018, starting on Monday. Who are you all excited about? Who are you not excited about? Okay, uh, you want to start hold or you want me to start? Go, go ahead, JB. Okay, I'll go ahead and start. I'm excited to really hear Matt Luke. I want to hear his vision for his program at Ole Miss. I mean, you know, he was interim last year, but the interim tag's been taken off. I really want to know his vision. And uh, are they going to be having this, running the same kind of system that they have with Hugh Freeze? Because last year they had to run the same system. Are they going to tweak it up? And uh, how is the program going to be stabilized, you know, for the next few years under his watch? You, you have to be excited to listen to Jeremy Pruitt as a Tennessee fan. I mean, I'm excited to listen to Pruitt, but you're not going to really hear a lot from Pruitt. I mean, he's not total coach speak, but he's also not going to say anything that the media is just going to tie itself to as well. I mean, if there's any, you- if there's any coach you're going to hear like that's going to really drive people insane, it's going to be someone maybe like Muschamp. Muschamp can really shoot the bull, and he's going to be yeah. he's going to be entertaining to listen to. Yeah, definitely, definitely like Muschamp now. Um, I'm actually probably going to be tired of listening to Saban, although I do like listening to Saban. Because, I mean, he's obviously a very good coach. So, I like to listen to what he has to say and how he, you know, grinds year, on, year in and year out. And, so. you know, if Saban every year has that one rant at SEC Media Days, yeah. and I'm curious what that rant's going to be. I don't know if you actually saw this video I sent you a few days ago of uh, Saban yeah. being called. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I saw wondering if some media, I'm just wondering if some media member, maybe someone like Clay Travis, is going to ask Saban about that video mm-hmm. and about some rednecks, some – guys pretending to be rednecks calling him at while he was at the lake and seeing how Saban responds to that question. Cause knowing Saban, he's probably going to rant about it and go off and off a tangent about privacy and net neutrality. Yeah. Like that's when I'm, that's what I would be expecting. It'd be funny. It'd be funny for sure. Somebody asked, I hope somebody does. Maybe we can ask it. So it's right here in Atlanta, a hometown here. Um, so maybe, maybe I can go and ask it. Saban personally, just give yeah. me up. Didn't you score your credentials, Alex? Not yet, not yet. I'm still still trying to get that up for SEC slow smoke. I haven't got it yet, though. Don't worry. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Arkansas and Mississippi State fans. Uh, Holt, you still there? You still out there? Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. I'm having some uh, trouble here in JB, though, so I may have to repeat some things that he said. Go ahead. Uh, what are you excited about for media days this year? Um, well, there's one player and one coach. Um, I mean, obviously, aside from Mississippi State, as just me being a fan, but uh, it's always good to hear Ed Orgeron oh, talk, yeah. um, no matter what it's about. Like, uh, I could just listen to that dude talk like forever. Just got that old gravel throat, uh, Cajun voice, and he's just really intense and just a great guy to listen to. He gets you all fired up and ready to run through a wall. And uh, from the players' perspective, I really am anxious to hear from uh, future Heisman Trophy winner Drew Locke. Um, it's going to be a, a great year for him, and he's kind of he's kind of my hero, honestly. I think uh, I think he's about to have a big year and uh, bring the Heisman back to the SEC. Honestly. I respectfully disagree with that, Holt, because his offensive coordinator is Derek Dooley, and he has never been an offensive coordinator, and he has never been a play caller in his life. So don't be surprised if his season's sabotaged just a little bit. Oh, are you are you on uh, one, two, or two and the shaft of Drew Lock? Are you on one nut, two nuts, or everything? All all about Drew Lock? No, I'm on I'm on two balls, the shaft, and 
the hair and everything. That is that is he is he's six five. So I mean he's he's Caucasian. So I don't know like if the stereotype holds up, but he is. Tall, yeah. So Where's a big shoe size? <laughs> I mean that is pretty deep. Yeah, I mean I I don't want to uh, to guess as far as far as that goes. Um, I'm gonna just stay away from that. But uh, I do think he's a really good quarterback who uh, is gonna make some big plays this year, and I think. I don't know. I don't think they're going to beat Alabama, but I think I probably am going to pick them to beat Georgia. So just a little uh, sneak peek into our previews that are going to be coming up here in the next few weeks. But uh, I think I might, uh, I might, I might be a, a little bit on Mizzou this year um, to maybe pull an upset. I know they play at Alabama and they get Georgia at home, so I think I might pick them to win one one yeah. of those games. Well, I'm, I'm, gonna have to, I'm definitely with you. Go ahead. Obviously, I'm gonna have to tell. Um, I'm gonna have to tell your boyfriend Nick Fitzgerald that you're cheating on him. But other than that, I respect a good independent opinion of your team bias. So nothing wrong with nothing wrong. Hey man. Hey, we, we, we just, we just try to keep it real over here on it. Since he's close, hey, man, we just, nothing, we just try to tell it, tell it like nothing, it is. Nothing wrong. I love Nick Fitzgerald. Go ahead. <laughs> I love Nick Fitzgerald, man. I, I love him to death. I think that he should be ahead of uh, Tua Tagovola on all the, uh, preseason list. I think it's kind of BS that he's gotten jumped by by that dude just because he's played like one half. I think Fitzgerald's awesome. I love <laughs> him. And I hope he wins the husband. But I'm just I'm just saying from my perspective, I think uh Drew Locke is a little bit better passer and he's got some really good uh weapons. He's got one uh, all conference receiver and the best tight end in the conference. So uh I think they're gonna be pretty explosive on offense this year and, and uh give uh, some SEC teams we'll some see, what time. record what record hold do you think Missouri's gonna have to go during the regular season? In order for Drew Locke to have a chance at the Heisman, nine wins, ten wins. I think it has to be about nine wins because remember Johnny Menzel, twenty twelve, Texas A and M, nine and three that season. So I think it has to be at least nine and three. And I'm just I'm looking at the schedule uh, right now. I don't know if I see nine wins, but obviously we'll come back to that. Yeah, nothing, um, nothing wrong with. Um, I know you couldn't hear JB Holt, but he was just talking about uh, some Missouri more. Um, but nothing, nothing wrong. Hold, just want to let you know, and all of you out there, nothing wrong with uh, straying from your main and liking to like in just a little bit of Drew Lock. Yeah, you just just get a little side piece. Just get a little Mizzou Drew Lock side piece ain't, on the side. Ain't nothing just, wrong. You know, Nick Michelle doesn't have to know about it. Ain't nothing wrong with some cornbread and mac and cheese now. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I mean, I had cornbread and mac and cheese for lunch. So what are you saying? As you can tell, it, our time is up here. Um, we, at one point, will have a sponsor plug here. But until then, we're just going to talk for 60 minutes straight. So I'm sorry you all have to listen to that for 60 minutes straight. But that's how it's going to be until we get more listeners. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smokes. You can follow JB on Twitter at Rock, Mr. JB Brooks. Is that what it is? It's MRJB underscore Brooks. And Holt Smash 1166, I think. Something like that. And me. Out bullshit yeah. one, and we will see y'all after media days. Holla. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.